Oh, hello there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I am Mr. Warren Hayes, and I want to thank you all for joining me once again for more professional wrestling talk right here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Whether you're watching this right now on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or listening to this on your favorite podcast application, thank you very much. I know I always do this bit where I, you know, at the start of every episode where, you know, I do the housekeeping and so on and so forth, but I'm going to keep it short because I went a little on the long side tonight. So listen, here's what we're going to do. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, leave a like on the video. That helps out a great deal. Subscribe if you're not a subscriber. That's always a great deal. Show a little more support, become a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel. I'm putting out extra content for members only on a regular basis. So on the YouTube channel right here, so... I, it'd be my pleasure to add you, uh, uh, to give that to you as well as a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel. So right here as well. Leave a comment. Let's chat about stuff. Look, there's been a lot of, is CM Punk working us again? Is he working us with the Hangman Page stuff? Is Kenny Omega really injured or not? Uh, let, let's talk about all this stuff. All the comment section, the, the comment section is open and all the comments you leave Help the Mr. Warren Hayes Show grow as well. Very simple things you can do to help. And on the flip side, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon uh, Music, apparently I'm there as well. Uh, I appreciate you and and thank you for letting me into your ear holes for that. Uh, and show some love there. A like, a subscription, a review, a uh, a five-star review on Apple is always the best way to help out the, the channel. Five-star review on Spotify. It, it all helps the podcast grow a great deal. Thank you very much. Join the Discord. The link is in the description. And boy, oh boy, I've got a lot of stuff to say about Dynamite, CM Punk, uh, the Dan Garcia, Brian Danielson match. We're talking about NXT UK becoming NXT Europe. G1 recap. Because we're done. <laughs> Look, there's so much stuff. I'm trying to keep it short. Let's jump right into it. Thank you very much for being here. We should start things off by saying something nice about Bill Goldberg. Robin Hayes has 52 nice things to say about Goldberg. You know what? Kind of off of the heels of what I found out last week, I found out this week that Bill also turned down a gimmick change in WWE when he was there. No, 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 absolutely. Trust me. He was, he's got a good, uh, good mind on his, uh, in his nougat noddle here. Listen, he was supposed to take over as the new repo man. Mm-hmm. And they would have called him Stolberg. Robin Hayes has 52 nice things to say about God. We are, uh, we are entering the uh, bad pun section of the bit. <laughs> that's, that's where we're at now. <laughs> Here we go. The weekly wrestling inspection. That's nice. Um, we got a bit of uh, news from uh, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment today. We sent out a press release 
um, saying that WWE is going to launch NXT Europe in 2023. They put out a press release today. When I say today, I mean August 18, which is the day that we're recording. See how this is. And let me read it to you. WWE today announced that the NXT brand will grow internationally with the creation of an all-new NXT Europe with the launch planned for 2023. We have a quote here. Let me read it. Following the success of our live events and talent identification efforts throughout all of Europe, we believe this is the perfect time to expand NXT beyond the United Kingdom, said Shawn Michaels, WWE Vice President of Talent Development Creative. Launched in 2016, NXT UK has received critical acclaim and developed WWE main roster talent such as Rhea Ripley, Dewdrop, Gunter, and Butch. My, my, my heart sank with every word I read there, it just went it it went deeper and deeper and deeper. NXT Europe will reimagine the brand and its talent pipeline with a pan-European focus. Prior to the debut of NXT Europe, Worlds Collide, a premium live event featuring NXT and NXT UK superstars, will be presented live on Sunday, September 4 at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Peacock in the United States and WWE Network everywhere else. So uh, that was uh, that was something that you necessarily was n- weren't necessarily expecting today. Uh, and with uh, with that uh, news came uh, the culling of the NXT UK uh, roster. And you can only call that that that's all you can that's the that, that that's the best identifier you can give regarding what happened um let me just give the uh well I'm actually I'm going to read off the list that I have here that I that I prepared before coming here online maybe there's been a couple of others hopefully not because this is fucking dire these are the people who've been been released the wild boar mark hitchman Jack Stars, Mark Andrews, Flash Morgan Webster, Shaw Samuels, Ashton Smith, Millie McKenzie, Nina Samuels, Dave Mastiff, The Primate, Donnie Luna, Rohan Raja, Amale, uh, or Amal, I think is how you pronounce it, apologize, Sam Gradwell, Kenny Williams, Sid Scala, he can hit the bricks though, Trent Seven, Zaya Brookside, Eddie Dennis, T-Bone, and Saxton Huxley. That's th- folks. There's no way to put it. No other way to put it. That's dire. That's really, really dire. That is a. Uh, that's the majority of the. Uh, that's the majority of the um, of the NXT UK roster right there. And if I and if I go on the thing here on the WWE Superstars page, pretty much everything has stayed the same. Because I was like, oh, fire Miko, fire Miko, release Miko. Miko Satomura, no. Aaliyah James is still there. Valkyrie, um, Ilya Dragunov, Isla Dawn. Joseph Connors, which is a mystery to me. 
Never saw what they see in that guy. Never, I've never seen it. Stevie Turner, Noam Dar, Oliver Carter, Rampage Brown. Wait, they said they released Rohan Raja. I put, I got that on my list. No, he's he's not really. Well, he's still on the, he's still on the website. Hmm, interesting. So he might not be released. Did did they release him? Did he put out a statement on his Twitter or something? Let's go take a look. Where did that come from? Where did? Because I'm I, I that was the list I pulled up. But he's on the he's on the uh, superstars page. That's interesting. No, I see. I was not making this up. He did tweet out today a you know thank you. I've been released kind of thing, but he is still on the superstars page. Take that for what you will. Um, I mean, that's, you know, like I said, this, the only proper term to define this is a culling. They just got rid of everyone except for a couple of people who were judiciously thrown into the NXT picture this week on the Heatwave show, right? Where you, we saw, what do they call her? Blair Davenport, right? Uh, and, um... Tyler Bate, the uh, the, uh, the the uh, the the guys, what you call them, the, uh, the 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 trio, Gallus, the Coffee Brothers, and Wolfgang. I mean, look, this is all you know. If if we're going to slightly, you know, make a little, you know, something a little light out of this. Um, NXT UK has always, always, always escaped um, any of the any of the rounds of cuts that have plagued world wrestling entertainment uh, since well since they started cutting everyone on Moss and everyone was like why why is this still why are they still standing why does nothing happen here nothing ever touches them um, and. Uh, the uh so you know clearly there was a move that had to be made uh there's something that 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 happened that they were like no we're pulling the trigger on this and we're moving on to something else honestly maybe vince really just didn't care maybe vince this was completely out of his uh out of his view you know out of his you know, just out of his field of vision but you know triple h no because tri- nxt is all his thing it's his brand and if he wants to go ahead and do an NXT Europe, which would mean pilfering from um, from the uh, indie scene just about everywhere, well, uh, across uh, across Europe, well, good for him, I guess. I mean that, you know, I have questions. <laughs> I have questions and I have thoughts. You know, here's a thought first and foremost, because, you know, I hear a lot of people were saying, you know, oh, well, they're going to go destroy... Uh, the indie scene in other countries in Europe. And I'm like, maybe, but they've, it's not as if they weren't already hiring people from other, uh, from other European countries outside the UK. Like, I, I don't know why there's, why NXT UK 
needs such a hard reset button in regards to relaunching as NXT Europe. Because you had guys, you had guys like guys and gals like Amal, like uh, uh, um, uh, I'm just running down the list here. Amal, who's French, right? And they had hired Killer Kelly, who was from from Portugal. They had brought it. You know, uh, 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 Gunther is is Austrian. Uh, Marcel Bartel is German. Uh, Fabian Aikner is. Um, is Italian like they it had already it already sort of felt like the European destination now essentially they just you know they've called everyone that they've been legitimately building and you know like Ilya is Russian Ilya Dragunov is Russian right it's it's such an oddball move and I fail to see I fail to see what the logic is behind it like what like i said what requires such a hard reset because they had been bringing in people from promotions all around isn't valkyrie isn't valkyrie she's she's irish if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong but i think she is it's just very strange i really don't know what the i i really don't know what the trigger is what 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 the what the statement is? They really could have just rebranded, continue with the people they already have there. That already, some of them have followings, but no. And 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 kind of the shitty thing in all of this as well. We have to remember this. Um, you know, NXT UK did deal a massive blow to the independent circuit in the UK. It honestly sincerely did and there's a lot of promotions that are still recovering especially right now and you know i'm not going to pretend that i'm you know tapped right into uh, uh, uh to uk economic news but from all my understandings that right now the economy in britain ain't the greatest a lot of people are struggling a lot of small businesses are struggling local your local uh, uh indie promotion is a small business. And when they started swooping up people like Mark Andrews, like Pete Dunne, and, and Trent Seven, and Tyler Bate, and th- these were, and Tony Storm at the time, these were absolutely 100% uh, staples of the UK scene. The stars that would go and would draw the houses. And then you'd have, you know, the the under talent, you know, the, the undercar that was there filled up with other other talent. But these, you know, people would pay to see, you know, and uh, would pay to see the uh, the uh, uh, British Strong Style guys. Those were that was a thing. And, and then Zach Gibson, he was part of that, too. Zach Gibson, one of the biggest heels they had. Uh, they had a. You know, the, the the scene was gutted. A lot of people will, you know, a lot of people like to dramatize and say it killed it. I don't, it's not dead, but it's not doing well. And they did gut WXW in Germany. You know, I'm still shocked that they haven't brought on Cara Noir. And maybe it's Noir that just doesn't want to work for WWE. But 
I'm, I'm really not sure what the next steps are and I don't understand what they are and I don't know what, what they're doing. The only thing I can see here is Triple H looking back at his plan of uh, global global localization. Isn't that what he called it when he did that presentation a few years ago? And then he's, uh, you know, he's ready to go back to unveil NXT Japan and NXT Mexico again. And I'm like, why? What is the, what the hell, man? <laughs> I like, I don't, on it, on it, look, out of pure curiosity, just to have a good laugh, I would love to see WWE actually 100% try and go and do an NXT Japan. Because I'm... Common sense will would tell you that it will not work. It will not work. It's hilarious to me. I would love to see them try. I would love to see them get into Mexico and get into that territory. You know, lucha is insane. The business of lucha is insane. I don't I, I, like these are things. That I would love just 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 to see them try. So I don't know if he's opening up these gates again. But he could be. I think his ultimate strategy is that he's he's firing. Look, the more people Triple H fires, the more people he can bring back to great reactions from the audience. Am I right? Oh shit! He's bringing. He's bringing Eddie Dennis back. Woo! Woo! Let's fucking go, Eddie Dennis. I like Eddie Dennis. Just, you know, between you and I, Eddie Dennis is not a draw. You know, that's... I'm trying to make comparisons with uh, Dexter Loomis and, 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 and Karrion Cross, and, and now the, 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 the top dollar and the... Um, but yeah, look, it's, it, I think it's awful, you know, uh, because, uh, lots of people are losing their jobs again, uh, because of, and a lot of people who bet on this NXT UK thing because it was WWE, because they were like, look, you know, we're going to get some, some, some money. We're going to get, you know, some, some stability. Turns out the wrestlers weren't even paid that much. They were paid. Yeah, very meager salaries. We, you know, I talked a couple of weeks ago about the report of the NXT UK referee who was like, "I'm gonna go back, uh, gonna go back school teaching. I make more money there than being a ref for a billion dollar entertainment company. I make more money teaching children than I do being on TV, being a, a, a talent on television." The, the, um, the idealist in me says, of course teachers should be paid more than people who are on TV. Just putting that out there. I talked a little about this on the uh, Going Broadway segment of the Mr. Warren Hay Show, which I do for members only, by the way. It's some extra content just for members. If you want to get access to that... More wrestling talk, more analysis, more...
punditry, uh, become a member of the Mr. Warren Show channel right here. But Billy Corgan, again, it was he was making news rounds last week regarding Empower, and he still continued this week saying that there wasn't enough female free agent talent to justify doing another NWA Empower All Women's Pay-Per-View again this year. Because that doesn't make any sense. Last week, he had an interview. He, he, he had an, this is what I talked about on, uh, on the Going Broadway segment. Uh, last week, he, uh, he, he did an interview with, uh, with um, Sean Rossat of Fightful. And he, uh, he said uh, that, um, um, th- that basically it was financial reasons that prevented the NWA from uh, doing another, uh, from doing another uh, uh, Empower show this, uh, this year, which is fine. Uh, this, this was the quote that I had picked out here. He said, I love this. I love that stuff. Talking about women's wrestling. Unfortunately, not everybody loved it as much. I get it. It's a business. Always about leverage, whether it's a talent, whether it's a company. And people like to throw their elbows around depending on what's happening. That's totally fine. That part doesn't bother me. I am just not in the position of going and begging. And certainly there have been times in the past couple of years where put, where people put me in a position of begging. Okay. So he didn't like being in a position where he had to try and ask people for help. And people maybe had a little... Uh, you know, a little leverage over him. He continued. I'm going to try and say this without sounding like I'm cutting a promo. But when I'm the most famous person in the room, it's a little uh, funny that I'm supposed to grovel. I don't think like that. Because I'm not a person who throws my weight around. I don't necessarily need people to throw their weight around me. I like to think of us as partners in, in a particular moment until we find good partnership um so (laughs) so basically what our boy uh bill corbin here william corbin is uh, corgan william corgan is telling us is that he's uh he's not used to not being treated like the most famous guy in the room and being bossed around and you say you know you know, I, I you know I like to do things, but you know it's kind of weird when people sort of you know try to use their leverage on me, trying to say like, well, I'm the big famous dude, right? So much ego going around here. This is all ego, and you can you know who he's to, who he's sending this towards at the same time. You know who he's who this is who who this is directed at because he continues in this. Um, in this interview, he, he he talks some more. He says, so when I feel that people have been good partners like Scott Damore, who's been a good partner recently, I love it. I'm more than happy to bend over backwards to try to get Scott what he would need from our end of the street and hopefully he can do the same. Unfortunately, that's not always been the case with everybody and that's totally fine. Who do you think he's talking about? We're talking about, who do you think he's talking about? Chat. I'm giving you one chance to figure it out, to tell me if he's saying Scott Demore is a good partner 
<clears throat> and, we're <clears throat> and we're talking about partnerships that were set up around Empower. Who has not been a good partner for Billy Corgan that he will not bend over backwards for? That's right, chat. Tony Khan. Who else would it be? And you know what? Honestly, why wouldn't... Look, Tony Khan... Tony Khan deals with the egos of million-dollar football players, soccer players, football players. In your... Do you think that Billy Corgan, allegedly the most famous man in the room, with his struggling NWA promotion, is going to have any sway over, over Tony Khan and AEW right now? Of course AEW is in a prime spot to negotiate and make demands. Tony Khan knows the value of what he has. Billy Corgan was just like, mm, 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 mm. anyway, that was the setup. And he basically said, you know, well, for financial reasons, we're not, we're not doing another, we're not doing another uh, uh, empower, right? It, it, you know, people weren't that interested. It didn't buy. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then he did another interview. Uh, it was, uh, a couple of days ago or yesterday with um, over on uh, uh, NBC Sports Boston Feifel has the transcript here where he sort of retconned a little bit he was giving us the impression last week that you know he's not going to do NWA power anymore but he's like no 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 it's in the cards this is what he says it's in the cards I saw a headline recently that said I don't plan on bringing him power back and that's totally false what it was is that we looked at Empower for this NWA 74 pay-per-view and unfortunately, there's an opacity of female talent available on the open market because there is such a demand for female talent with both WWE and AEW. And I'm like, what? Now, if this isn't the biggest load of bullshit, he specifies a little bit here. There just isn't a ton of free agent talent that can work at the television level. And I'm and this guy is running pay-per-view shows. That's all he's doing. He's not running like weekly national TV and there are more than enough women out there right now who are ready for primetime, who are ready to be put on TV. That's ridiculous. That is, this is this is the most cop out, absolutely most cop out situation. And you know, because the thing here is, that this is the thing. I think the reality of it is that he doesn't want to go back to Tony Khan and say, "Hey, can you lend me, uh, you know, Layla Hirsch, or you know, uh, maybe, hey, could how much for Athena kind of thing?" This is what he's scoping out. Such a high demand. Fuck off. You're going to put on an all-female fa- pay-per-view. This is him quoting, uh, I'm quoting him again. You're going to put on an all-female pay-per-view. By the way, let's remember that if that pay-per-view doesn't go well and you put position, you put people in positions they are not ready for, it's going to blow back on those talents in the company. Uh, see, look, 
here's the thing. This is what I'm going to. Uh, this is the, this is my problem here. If Corgan if Corgan wants to call economics, I'm fine with that. So, and, and honestly, I'm completely fine with it. If the guy is like, look, I can't afford to put it on. Like, cool. Then I'm I'm that's a fair enough reason for me. Okay? Fair enough reason for me. Um but the reality of the situation here is that Empower was a critically acclaimed show. It was one of the best pay-per-views that was put on last year in wrestling. Uh I think a lot of people would argue that it was the best NWA pay-per-view that they put on last year. I know for a fact that some of the talent in NWA believed that Empower was the best pay-per-view that the company put on the entire year. So what do you do then? Do you then just decide to pull the plug? No, you're getting good natural buzz. You're getting good, you're getting good press. You're getting people excited about the show, excited enough that they'd like another one. And like, no, we're not gonna do it. Why? Because you're not coasting on it. You're not using it to improve your buys, to improve the success of the next one. Maybe the first one didn't draw exactly the way you wanted, right? Maybe the first one fell a little under expectations and you had to sh- you, you shelled out a little more than you had to pay for. Let, let's just let's just call it as it is right maybe that's the maybe that's what happened but the reality of it is and this is true for all women's wrestling is that if you never ever build any women as uh as interesting credible as someone that you want to tune in tune into tv for if you don't give them the time to come across as a big deal they will never be treated as a big deal and they will and you will always like skip over them or it'll be second best it'll be like oh no women's pay-per-view i don't even know who these people are i don't care about anyone except maybe one and she's always on the pay-per-views do you know what i mean this works if you are able to build a healthy women's division with interesting talented women that you push and it's not always a question of is the woman talented or not it's push We have to stop pretending that it all depends on a woman's work rate or how she looks or how good she is on the stick. It's about push. There are numerous examples of people in professional wrestling who don't have the work rate but have become megastars in the business. Megastars. I would argue that Becky Lynch is the the least talented in ring wise of the four horsewomen of WWE and look at where she is in the company not saying she's a bad wrestler mind you just saying she doesn't have the work rate of the three others do you understand what I'm saying do you understand what I mean so if if all you do is push Camille push Camille push Camille bring up a challenger and that and that's all you do you put one women's segment on your shows and i'm also talking to another promoter out there of course no one's going to be like yay women's division if you treat it like a second thought because it the audience the wrestling audience knows when you're not supposed to get interested in something they can feel it and it's not always about the talent it's about the push So, if anything, 
look, I can I can un- also understand, you know, these arguments of people who say, you know, well, it's time for the people who support women's wrestling to put their money where their mouth is. Okay, but I think this is the kind of thing that always starts with the top. I think, it, you know, you have to stop blaming fans for some shit too. There's thing, There's things you can absolutely blame fans for. There's things that is a bit of a combination of the both. So if the promotion, if the company is not making an effort to make women, to make put them in these interesting positions and, and, and make them look strong, make them look interesting, like you should tune in, what's the point? What's the point? As a viewer, you'll be like, <laughs> for real though. Like there is no reason right now for you to watch, if AEW was to put on tomorrow, a, a an all women's pay-per-view, you'd be like, what the hell are they going to do? They've got Jade, they've got Thunder Rosa, they've got Brit, they've got Tony Storm, if you want to throw that in there, may, Athena maybe. Then what are you doing with the rest? It's going to be a half hour card. It's going to be a battle of the belts. Is that what we're doing? Because everything else feels insignificant. It doesn't feel important because it is on dark and on dark elevation. Because it's, you know, it's in the death knell of the seventh quarter hour of Dynamite. It's, it's on the B show uh, uh, that, that is Rampage now. And let's just call it what it is now. This is exactly what it is until they rehabilitate that show. You know, Rampage is the new thunder, okay? Um, this is the thing. You don't, if you don't, and this goes for any type of wrestler, any type of wrestling. And here's something that I always found fascinating. Something I always found fascinating. They released, they they released the, 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 the buys for Empower for some reason, or at least they were leaked. They were sent out into the media. The media found out. 3,500 buys for Empower, right? And for some reason, none of the other NWA pay-per-views, their buys never get leaked out. Isn't that strange? It, it's really hard to find the numbers for all other for any other NWA pay-per-view. Now, if you compare this to what AEW is doing, of course, you know, you'll 3,500, that's not great. But what is the what's our point of comparison with the NWA? Dave Meltzer. Uh, 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 a year ago had reported that he had found from cable operators not the fight stuff but from cable operators that that uh, that the um, when our shadows fall pay-per-view from the NWA had done less than 500 buys on cable operators they didn't they did less than 500 buys what is our point of comparison to say is 3,500 a success or not for NWA? It's not if you compare it to what AEW is doing. Absolutely not. But what are the numbers for the other pay-per-views from any other? What, what were the numbers for NWA 73? And I refuse to believe that they're that they crack that I refuse to believe that they cracked 10,000 buys. I don't, I cannot, I can't buy it. Uh, I don't. The reality of the situation in as, insofar as women wrestling goes, women's wrestling goes, is this, and it is extremely simple. There is one major North American promotion that books women as a big deal. 
that has their stars and books them as such, books them strong, makes them attractions, and that is world wrestling entertainment. They're the only ones who do it. Is their booking perfect? No. It's not. But you see Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch and you go, fucking right, that's going to rock. Why? Why? Talent, that's one thing. But push is the other. That's the key element. I turn around and tomorrow I say, and I give you, you know, and I say, and again, you know, no, absolutely, absolutely no disrespect. Kira Hogan versus Penelope Ford. As a main event, and you're like, what? Why? Of course, why? The, the all women's divisions. Let's say, look, let's focus on WWE and AEW. There's hits, but there's a lot of misses in both, and in AEW. There's probably more misses than hits for a bunch of reasons. But this is where we're at right now. There, neither promotion is really doing good. But the only one that gives substantial time for women talent to get themselves over and to be perceived as a big deal is WWE. And that cannot be contested. That cannot be contested. AK Germany 96 left a super chat. Thank you so much, AK Germany. He says, this is all Corgan still being butthurt from Tony Khan calling him out for not being thanked for lending AW, NWA his AEW talent for the last show. Ah, you know, th that kind of that kind of grandstanding, it it bothers me because it's all wrestling, and these are all like these are promoters. And everyone lies. You know what I mean? There's a lot of lying. Let's put it that way. So, you know, did did Bill, did Tony Khan uh, uh, um, uh, really like feed people out of the goodness of his heart? Maybe. Maybe he did. Maybe he just, you know, he wanted his women to have an outlet to wrestle. That's possible too. You know, it's just like, look, we got nothing for you right now. Go do this. I don't know. But it's very weird to come out and say, nobody thanked me. But now we understand why. It's just Billy Corgan doesn't like Tony Khan. And Tony Khan doesn't like Billy Corgan. And that's fine. <laughs> you know, all Tony has to do next time when they sit down to negotiate, all he has to do is sit down at the table. And the first thing he has, he has to, manda he has to, he has to give a mandatory compliment to the oeuvre. Of, of Billy Corrigan and, and Smashing Pumpkins, let's say, and he starts to say, you know, you know, Billy, I meant to tell you, melancholy, just so formative for me. And then Corrigan, uh, finally I am recognized as the most famous man in the room. The world is a vampire. Today is the greatest day I've ever known. Uh, <laughs> Did you guys hear this report that a notable AEW wrestler claims to have been contacted by WWE. Huh? 
I'm going to read this report from um, off of the Figure Four online, The Observer. According to a report from Fightful Select, an unnamed wrestler has informed AEW management that they were contacted by WWE regarding working for them. The AEW roster member was described as one who, quote, as one, quote, who would, who is known to be under contract, unquote, and a full-time performer with the company. The unnamed talent informed AEW management of the situation because they felt the company's higher-ups deserved to know. Am I the only one who thinks this is funny as hell? This is all. They also informed AEW that they have no interest in leaving and told WWE they are happy where they are. The report continues to say that the claim was it was a member of WWE's talent relations department that made contact with the AEW talent. <laughs> Triple H is going to bring all of his lower mid-carders back. He's angling for, uh, he, he, he wants them all back now. He wants Bobby Fish. Bobby, you got, you got, uh, you, you happy there? How much time do you have left on your, on your deal? You got Tony Nese. He's going to rope back Tony Nese. <laughs> this is the greatest meme to come out of Triple H's return to power. I, honest to God, it is the greatest. Because look, Karrion Cross, uh, 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 um, Dexter Loomis, not exactly earth shatterers, not exactly the, the, the big time plays here, despite everything. Hit row. Fucking top dollar. I love that people look. Honest to God, I love that people are excited about this stuff. I really, I like, I really and legitimately am that people are like, "Yay, Dexter Loomis is back," you know. But he's so niche. And it's just the way that it's being received and and interpreted and then and then bounced back at, you know from media outlets you'd swear they they you know bringing carry and cross back they were they were you'd swear it was the equivalent of raising Roddy Piper back from the dead and having him come and cut a promo on fucking Braun Breaker or whatever this is hilarious this is really fucking funny because this is the meme now. Who is Triple H going to bring back? I would argue. I would argue. That. Um, that the, the only significant. Rehire that he did. Triple H was Dakota Kai. I think that's legitimately the only one. Because Dakota Kai is a very good pro wrestler. Criminally underused. And I think. Uh, you know, her being her being released, her having her tryout on a dark match on a SmackDown episode and against Aaliyah and Vince looking at them both and saying, we're keeping Aaliyah. That's that's an absolute fucking tragedy. So that is one wrong that was right. They 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 they, 
they they made the, they reset the ship there. It's on a straight line. Karrion Cross as the top level guy to go after Roman Reigns. I, look, I've talked about all of this, but it doesn't make any sense. And Top Dolan, you know, the, the hit row thing. Look, the star is not there. The star of the show is not there. They were there. I think they're still, a, you know, an interesting ensemble. I think it, you know, they bring an energy to WWE. And this was the same thing. This was the exact same thing that I said when Hit Row debuted on NXT years ago. Not that long ago, really. But when they did debut, they bring an energy that, that uh, their act has an energy that no other act in this company has. And that's what helps them. That's what sets them apart. But it's not because of Top Dollar. Maybe B-Fab a little bit. Like the, the glue of that is not there. The star of Hit Row is not there. He's in AEW right now. He's doing his own thing. He could be the guy they called back. I think, it, you know, in the chat is saying it could be Adam Cole. It could be Adam Cole that they brought back. That, 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 he, that he's like, hey, look. But would Adam Cole go and snitch... Would Adam Cole go and snitch? Because I kind of have the impression that Adam Cole would have been flattered. And I think his relationship with Triple H was pretty good. I, I, I think so. So I, I'm, I'm assuming he's a guy to be like, no, I'm going to just. Who'd snitch him out? But look, the point here is that this is fucking funny. And it's amazing. And wrestling is back. Whenever this stuff starts to happen, then I get excited and I start telling you, wrestling is back, baby. But this is really exciting. I love this stuff. And look, I am not a contract lawyer. I am not a connoisseur when it comes to, uh, you know, contract status and whatnot. So I could not say with aplomb that this is contract tampering and WWE is exposing itself to a lawsuit and honestly I my gut feeling would say that this is not contract tampering um I look my own contract in my own personal job right I don't have anything that says that I cannot explore other options I can terminate my contract whenever I want and I know it's different you know, with, with, with WWE and so on, uh, you know, but there's nothing that specifies that I can't look for our other opportunities, that I can't reach out or that, that, that people can't reach out to me, that I can't entertain other things. And I can bring an end to my contract, you know, if, you know, if, if I am no longer satisfied with its conditions, right? And usually what would happen is, if I do get an offer from uh, another employer, I come back and I'll like, well, look, I got an offer here. Can you guys do something about it? You know, because if you can offer me this, I'd much rather stay here kind of thing. You know, that's usually how it goes. I, I understand in wrestling or at least the WWE contracts, they're nuts. You know, and I could, the only thing, look, if I were to work with, I'd, I do have... I do have like a uh, a 60 day period non compete and this is legit for any if I were to go work for a competitor a direct competitor same business um 
then I there's a there's a 60 day window that I can start working for them officially. So I'm like, all right. And then you have to wonder, on top of all, why was this leaked? Why was this leaked? Always ask yourselves these questions, folks. Why did this pop up? Who leaked this information and why? Was it AEW to sort of just show that WWE is back to being doing its old tricks again? You know? And who in AEW? Is it some who has to gain from this? Who has to gain from letting people know that WWE is trying to poach people? This is all what makes this fascinating. And on and you know what? And you know what? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. This stuff can only happen if we are in a situation where there is a healthy competition. That's all. There is this this situation right here cannot occur if there is only one wrestling promotion out there. That means talent have rooms to room to move around and be and, and, and be coveted by other companies as well. And that's great for the talent. This is what this is the type this is exactly the type of news that you have to point to people who say, fuck, I wish AEW would just die. This is exactly what you need to do. Is that if it wasn't for AEW, these people would not be being called by WWE talent relations while they're under contract. This is exciting. This is fun. This is part of the chaos of having two companies out there. You know, I like to I like to do the meme. Wrestling's back, baby. But and I'm probably going to say it again by the end of the evening. At the end of the show, but this is exactly it. This is what makes it fun. Chaos. No status quo. No stagnancy. Let's fucking go. Let's wrap up the G1 Climax 32, shall we? I ran a poll during the show here for the live crowd here where I asked. Oh, yes, there's an anniversary message. I apologize. Um... <laughs> Look, I'll keep I'll keep it for a bit, Evan. I'll keep it for when I get around to that. I'm even gonna copy paste it. <clears throat> but thank you very much for being a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel for 13 months. 13 months. It's fantastic. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, there we go. Um, but yeah, let's recap the uh, the G1 31, 32. Let's do that again. Let's recap the G1 Climax 32. Uh, I spent the better part of the last few weeks uh, staying abreast of everything in the G1. I've watched all of the block matches. I've had overall a very entertaining time doing so. Uh, and I've been, uh, I have uh, 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 captured all of my coverage in, in, in audio and video form on the YouTube channel, in podcast format, to make sure that you don't miss a thing. Or if there's things that you're like, I just want to hear about it, and then if there's something, going to go watch it. That's what it's there for. And it's still there. And I'm proud of it. And I'm happy and I'm glad I did it again. That coverage is officially done. Tonight, we are closing up the last two nights of the G1 being effectively the semifinals, basically the block finals, 
Uh, and the final finals. Final finals. So, uh, so this is how we're going to wrap it up right now. First of all, August 17th. We are uh, we are going to be talking about the uh, the semifinals uh, block A uh, block A ver- and uh, block B semifinals uh, basically semifinals I don't know how to call it. like they're block finals but they're semifinal look just call it a semifinal match block A versus block B Kazuchiko Okada the winner of block A defeated Tamatanga the winner of block B I thought that it was a very good. A very strong match between them both, uh, where Tamatanga explodes early on with some back and forth, and he plays the hits, a stinger splash, a tongue and twist. Um, he even hits a tongue and twist on the floor on top of that. Uh, a Valeno back in the ring, rolling DVD. The Supreme Flow connects as well. Okada on his end tries to land to, to lock in a money clip, lands the diving elbow. He goes for a rainmaker, it's blocked. He runs the ropes and Tamatanga hits a drop kick, which is usually what Kazuchika Okada does, right? When the other uh, when the other guy is running the ropes, he just knocks him down with a with a drop kick. And we we do have to mention that Tamatanga has a very handsome drop kick, just like uh, the Rainmaker does. Uh, there's this great sequence that I really enjoyed, where Tamatanga runs the ropes, he gets drop kicked, right? Then he gets back up, runs towards. Kazuchika Okada, who drops him into a landslide. Okada goes for the Rainmaker. It's reversed into a gun stun. Completely hits it. Uh, Kevin Kelly is losing his mind on commentary. But, uh, uh, you know, he's been banged up. He being Tamatanga, not Kevin Kelly. Tamatanga's been backed up, banged up. He can't quite make it in time to do the cover, so... Uh, Okada kicks out of it and Okada avoids a lot of gun stuns a Pele kick fires up Tamatanga but um, uh, Okada hits the Enziguri Emerald Flosion and the Rainmaker for the win um, and he see he needed to bring the he needed to bring out the big guns for uh, for Tamatanga here he couldn't just finish him off with with a lowly money clip you know uh, you know, and he couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't just like land the, the landslide. No, he had to make sure that Tamatanga stays down on this one. There, you know, so the homages, the, uh, you know, the Inziguri, the Emerald Flosion, finishing him off with the Rainmaker. I thought this was a very good, very strong match between them both. I enjoyed Tamatanga's tournament um, quite a bit. Uh, I think he's, uh, look, he, I think this was a very strong outing. Maybe maybe our boy isn't quite ready to hang at... Our boy Tamatanga isn't ready to hang at that level just yet. That high up on the card with these guys. Maybe there's a little more... There's a little more uh, 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 energy that, he, that, that needs to be added to what he does. You know, a little more finesse. But... Look, there could have... I wouldn't even blame Tamatanga at this point to be nervous as hell. Because he's... You know, clearly Gato is like, Hey, buddy, I'm giving you... I'm giving you the singles push. I'm giving you the big... I'm giving you a big G1 win. 
you're turning babyface, right? You have to get the crowd on your side. And we're, you know, to end it all up, we're, I'm putting you in there with my boy, Kazu. So he's like, Jesus Christ, like that's a lot, that's a lot to put on, regardless, right? Just don't. And I think he handled himself wonderfully. Don't get me wrong, I'm not here saying, like, Tamatanga stinks. Never put him in a main event match again. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But I maybe my expectations were a little higher here. But I feel there's another gear to Tamatanga that still can still be revealed. You know, I've been I've been playing I've been playing a lot of multiverses, multiverses these days. So I you know I think he hasn't unlocked enough perks yet. But we're we're gonna get there. Shout out to anyone who gets that reference. <laughs> Evan, Evan left us a super chat. Thank you very much, Evan. He says. Tama needed iron finger support. Pause. Don't ever bring that shit up again. Matt Ritter, I hope you're happy. I hope you're here. Cause here's the iron, here's the iron finger, iron claw, iron glove discourse of the night. You're getting it right now. We're never talking about that shit again. God. Thank you for the super chat though. And the second match of uh, night 17 was uh, Tetsuya Naito uh, getting beat by Will Ospreay. My predictions. Well, I, I'm going to get to that in a second. Look, here we go. Here's the thing. First time ever match, which is shocked me. Shocked me. This was, they announced it when, 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 when Ospreay, no, when, when Naito won his, won the block. On night 18. Chris Charlton was like, first time ever match. And I'm like, fuck you, I don't believe you. And I opened up cage match. <laughs> it's like, I'm good. Finally, I'm gonna nail you to the wall, Charlton. Charlton, this is this you're retconning something. You're 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 I gotcha. I gotcha. This is impossible. Naito and Will Ospreay in the year of our Lord 2022. I've never fought. I don't believe you. And he was fucking right. I could not find a single match between them both. And I was like, good shit. Good shit. This match did not disappoint on top of that. This was a great match. Fantastic main event. Naito works uh, works the neck, which he usually does. But it's all, you know, Will Ospreay, his neck is uh, is his Achilles heel. It's his Achilles neck, if if you if you may, if you want, his you know his Achilles nape, you know, kind of like the the Titans and Attack on Titan, right? Y'all have the weaknesses in the nape of the neck, right? What am I even talking about? Uh, Naito's he works the neck, particularly useful. He that, that's usually his strategy to get to get people ready for Destino. But uh, uh, neck breakers, double neck, uh, double leg Nelsons, like he's doing everything to uh, to a Osprey here. Osprey hits a phenomenal forearm, a Kawada kick, and a chop. Step up in Ziguri by uh, by Osprey, which is followed by a standing Spanish fly. On top of that, some great stuff. Some strong style ensues from them both. An avalanche poison Rana by Naito. Cross legged pile driver by Will Osprey, who's this will not be the last time we see him use this. 
Hits the hidden blade. He goes for a Stormbreaker. It's reversed by Naito, who lands a Destino. And Osprey kicks out of it. So Naito's like, fuck you. I'm going for a second Destino. That one's avoided. Our boy Osprey hits a hidden blade. Naito kicks out of that, but connects with the Stormbreaker. We're done. Fantastic. Just a, 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 a great match from top to bottom. From these two guys who've never fought before, which again is wild to me. And Will Ospreay gets the win, wins, uh, goes uh, goes to the finals on this one. Um, two really good matches, two really great semifinals. And if you, yeah, I'd say the Osprey Naito match is, you know, uh, it's a couple of notches above. Despite the fact that it's great, great work from. Uh, Okada and 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 Tamatanga. This one here, just outstanding. Just a great, great match. So my predictions going into this, uh, after this, I should say, just complete garbage. I had I had legitimately called Tamatanga versus uh, um. Tamatanga versus uh, 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 Tetsuya Naito in the finals. So Okada Osprey is the more predictable outcome, not the not the boldest choice. I think mine had a little more teeth to it, a little more interesting, because I was buying into commentaries talk about Tetsuya Naito's this being maybe his last chance to headline. A Wrestle Kingdom event, right? Like, ah, yeah, you know, probably, probably. But I should have learned at this point in my career of being a Tetsuya Naito fan, I should learn to be disappointed. I should learn to have things not go my way when it comes to Naito's booking. I, I never learn. I never learn. I should have seen this one coming a mile away, where I'm like, nah, Gato's not gonna do it. He won't. He's he's gonna tease it the whole way. But he's going to pull the rug from under me. Just like he usually does. And there we go. He, never, he's, he seldom disappoints, does Gato. And Tamatanga, well, you know, I was like, well, look, if this is the moment that they want to really pull the trigger on him. It's like, look, this guy can hang with the top dudes. This guy is, belongs on this, you know, uh, on this ceiling right now. You haven't beat, you haven't beat uh, Okada. And there you go. Because at the same time, I was going under the impression, because we didn't get any signals to the opposite, but I was going under the impression that we were going to get two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, meaning that even if Okada got eliminated from the G1, didn't win the G1, he could still insert himself into a main event at Wrestle Kingdom, which has happened in the past. That's, you know, exactly what Jay White did. You know, when uh, uh, um, when Kota Ibushi was uh, was champion, that's exactly what he did. What he did, and not when Kota Ibushi was champion. When Kota Ibushi had the briefcase, Jay White just snuck himself in and said, "Hey, you know, you get one night, I get the other one." So I was like, El Kata could do the same thing because it's Kazuchika Okada. Who's gonna tell? Him, who's gonna say no to Okada? No, you can't do that. So I was really expecting. I was really, really expecting the um, 
I was really expecting uh, 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 Naito to win here. But instead, we end up with the more predictable, safer bet of Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay in the block finals. And the bet paid off because we had an absolute match of the year, match of the tournament, match of the match. Look, match of the week, match of the tournament, match of the week, match of the month, match of the year contender. Unquestionably. Unquestionably. An excellent match. And what was good about this match, which was interesting, is that this was not the Will Ospreay who, you know, quit chaos, you know, had a chip on his shoulder because he felt he was being held back, you know, it was like, haha, Okada, I'm coming for you kind of thing. Or, you know, the guy that uh, that he, you know, he had to beat Okada because he's so much better than him, you know, I'm going to prove it, so on and so forth. No, this is a guy... This we this was a Will Ospreay that's sobered down a little bit. He's matured. He's changed. He started his own faction. You know, he's got his own group now. He wants to find out if he's as good as he thinks he is, as he says he is, by beating Okada and winning the G1. It's not just a, like he said it himself. It's a question of his legacy. He, he I have to do this. I have to win because it is crucial for me. It's not even a question about beating Okada. It's not a question of being, ha, finally, fuck you. It's more like there is a, this would be the culmination of a very personal journey for him. So I like that wrinkle. And it felt, that's how it felt throughout the match. It wasn't, he didn't have United Empire guys, you know, pulling bullshit outside the ring, trying to trip him up or, or, or shit like that. Um, this 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 was Will Ospreay legitimately giving it his all to try and dethrone the Rainmaker. So, early in the match, Kazuchika Okada's in control. What does he do? He works the neck. It's it's the weak spot. And and Ospreay sells it. He's like, no problem. You're 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 creaking the head all in my neck, and, and and it works. So there's that. Sort of Damocles for the entire tour, uh, for the entire match here. Uh, 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 Osprey goes for a pescado. It's interrupted. It leads to two DDTs on the floor by Kazuchika Okada. Back in the ring, uh, Osprey hits a suplex and a phenomenal forearm. Okada sits up on the top turnbuckle, but it's Will Osprey who drop who who uh, who drop kicks Okada off to the floor, which is usually one of Okada's signature spots here. And what does Osprey do? He goes to the top turnbuckle, hits a sky twister. We're fine. Then he hits an os cutter off the guardrail. We're cooking already. Back in the ring, Osprey uses uh, he well he kicks, but he eats a flapjack from Okada, and Okada locks in the money clip, and Osprey is hurting because works the neck again. He's in pain. He eventually fights out. Backbreaker by Okada reapplies the money clip. Of course, Osprey manages to get out. Uh, uh, there's an elbow drop by Okada. Again, signature move. Osprey fights back with a sequence of Kawada kicks and a chop and Kawada kicks and a chop and Kawada kicks and a chop, which was really fun. And then he chops Okada down, who gets back up, chops Osprey down, who gets back up, and lariats Okada down. Both guys are just spent at this point. 
there's shenanigans on the apron at some point that lead to a Osprey landing the landslide uh, to, uh, um, to avoiding a landslide and hitting an os cutter as they both uh, fall to the floor. Okada crawls back into the ring to try and beat the count. And just as he's coming in, Osprey is right there with him with a missile dropkick. Just as just as Okada is getting right into the ring, sliding under the bottom rope. Whomp. I love that shit. That sense of urgency. This match is important. So, and, and Osprey, he's he's studied. He's done it. You know, commentary was putting over the the, the fact that. You know, the, the, he and the United Empire were dissecting Okada's offense. They were going through tape and they were, you know, coming up with strategies together as a group, you know. So there you go. There's an application right there. Urgency. It, it, it makes the match feel, feel like there's, like there's, like there was research and build behind it. Um, there's some back and forth that ends with a cross-legged pile driver again and a hidden blade by Osprey, but Okada kicks out. Now, Osprey goes, uh, goes back, starts digging up ways that other f- famous Kazushika Okada opponents have used to try to defeat him, successfully defeat him. He hits a high fly flow. He hits a styles clash. He hits a V-trigger and then goes for the one-winged angel. But the one-winged angel is reversed into a landslide and a rainmaker, but Osprey kicks out of it. We're in and out of finisher attempts at this point. Okada, uh, not Okada, but Osprey gets out of an emerald flosion attempt with a pop-up European uppercut. He runs the ropes, but he gets caught in a spinning emerald flosion and a rainmaker. We're good. Okada wins. Whew. Just an excellent, excellent professional wrestling match. Excellent professional wrestling match. Okada, Kazuchika Okada, wins his fourth G1 consecutive, two consecutive uh, 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 G1s on top of that. So he's going to Wrestle Kingdom. He's going to be up there fighting most likely Jason White. Um, and that's how the G1 wrap, it just wrapped up spectacularly. It just You couldn't have asked for a, a better finish to a G1, which, you know, if I'm going to give my final overarching thoughts... Had more good than bad, I would say. Will it go down in history as one of these legendary G1s? Absolutely not. Um, there were some great matches, but I think there was a you know there's there there were there was there were great matches. There were a lot of good matches. You know, like good solid professional wrestling is something that I said a lot during my reviews. But it's it's the G1. You know what I mean? It's the G1. It's the most prestigious wrestling tournament in the world. It's the one that people step on each other's necks to try and and, and get a spot in. It's grueling. It's tough. But it's a big fucking deal. And it should be a big fucking deal for the audience as well. Like we should not have had to sit through four to five nights in a row of very, very average 
good pro wrestling without anything just, you know, giving us goose pimples. Shit getting us out of our seat, you know, wanting to jump on Twitter and say, you know, fuck you, TV Asahi, here are gifts of the match I just watched because it was absolutely fantastic. Like, it didn't happen all that much. And it's the G1. I enjoyed it. And it was my pleasure to watch it and to report on it, cover it, I should say. Look, I think the four block experiment was inconclusive to me. Uh, you know, from what I'm gathering, from what I'm hearing, there's people who say this, you know, who love it, bunch of people who hate it. And are like, we got to go back to the two block format. I, I think it's inconclusive. To me, it's inconclusive. You know, I think the main problem that generates that that comes from from the four block uh, uh, setup is that there are multiple nights where you don't have any marquee matches, right? If in the way these matches were set up, in the way these were at first, we're getting like four, uh, we're getting four block matches a night. We're getting A, B, C, and D instead of like all A and all B and so. There are nights that you end up where, you know, your main event is, look, I'm, it's not a good example because it turned out to be a great match. But when you look on paper and you say, look, is the, the main event of this night is Juice Robinson and Dave Finley. What the hell are we doing? I mean, the match turned out to be extraordinary. But I, I hope you understand my meaning. Much less opportunities for marquee matches you get a lot of you know much more ordinary matches and is there a lull in every g1 i think there is a lull midway through the tournament for every g1 you could you know i don't think it's it's reasonable to think that there's that there's never a lull in the tournament because there are i think i i think the fact that there's uh, more people in the tournament is cool. I think it's a good idea. I liked it. But I think one of the things they can do next year to fix this, to make it at least a little better, is to get rid of the dead weight. Get rid of the people who have nothing to give in this tournament. Like Yujiro. Like Bad luck folly. Get these people, get these people out of the tournament. We're done. Because what I saw this year, I saw first year entrance, Aaron Hanare and David Finley working hard as hell every night, win or loss. Yoshihashi, that's, that's his deal. It was, you know, I joked about it multiple times, but it's also very real. No one in this tournament worked as hard for his losses than Yoshi fucking Hashi. I have no use for bad luck folly. No use. No use for the sack of shit Yujiro. Where I'm done with these guys. They, they bring nothing. They slow everything down. They make other, they make other people look bad. Get people who are hungry. Bring in more young guys. More first-timers, if anything. 
El Fantasmo had another great tournament because he's graduating. He's going up into the heavyweights. He wanted to have a good performance, and he did. He had some great matches throughout. But you've got a, you know, a lumbering sack of dough of that is bad luck folly. This is not the bad luck folly of 2012. That guy does not exist anymore. It's the G1. And you know, did, and I, you know, I'm going to be on record again. I said it in the in, in in my preview shows, but I'm going to say it here again. I'm on record in my preview saying, "Oh well, you know, someone has to eat the pin. Someone has to eat the pin. Might as well be guys like Bad Luck Fale and 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 Yujiro who have nothing to lose, right?" No, that's I I've pivoted completely from that. A complete 180. You can absolutely bring in people who can take pins but will create compelling matches in the meantime and won't just like stand around hoping that uh, hoping that their next move doesn't botch or pull out one of their 17 moves that has a name. I'm convinced, and this is just gut feeling, but I'm convinced that this G1 was designed this way, four blocks, more people, and then we ended up having to pad holes. We had to we had to pad it out with Fale and Yujiro and the like, because AEW was supposed to send some people over. I'm extra convinced. But then all the injuries hit. You know, all, all around Forbidden Door, right? I'm convinced that whoever... Whoever Tony Khan had earmarked to go, whether it's a Brian Danielson or, a, uh, you know, someone along those lines, maybe a John Moxley, who knows? Others. Jericho, would Jericho do a... But Jericho probably wouldn't do a G1. He does He doesn't need to do a G1. But you know, I, I think there were I think there were people that were earmarked. The injury bug hit AEW, and Tony Khan was like, look, I gotta I gotta protect my garden. I can't send my guys over. I gotta keep I gotta keep my I gotta keep my guys here. Claudio, yeah, exactly, Matt. Yeah, Claudio would have been another. See, I'm sure. But then he panicked and was like, I, I can't. So Ghetto on his end was like, well. Let's call Fale. <laughs> I'm convinced though. I'm sure, 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 sure that this that's that's a problem that occurred and it stinks. Uh, I really think that we're going to see some AEW people at Wrestle Kingdom. I really do. But in the meantime, it kind of blows. It kind of blows for the G1. Uh, that being said... We did learn that Wrestle Kingdom, speaking of Wrestle Kingdom 17, is going to be one night again. We're back to the one night format. Had I known this, I would have never predicted Kazuchika Okada losing the G1. Trust me. Uh, January 4. And New Year's Dash is coming back on the 5th. And I hope it is a proper New Year's Dash. 
I hope it is a proper New Year's dash that we get back. People get excited about it. The good old-fashioned, the good old-fashioned yearly reset. I'm stoked for it. It, I, it will feel good to get back into that. So I'm, I'm happy about that. And was also announced that uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling was going to hold Rumble on 44th Street as they take over New York City in October, October 28th to be precise, at the Palladium Times Square. And it was announced that in addition to uh, members of the New Japan roster, members of the Stardom roster will also be part of the event I'm completely okay with that. I think that I think it's great. I think it's very, very good. And if I'm not mistaken, they are crowning the first IWGP Women's Champion um, the month after, right? In November, I think. But I, I mean, that's great. That's that's going to be a really fun show. Very, very exciting. I was very, I thought it was very cool that they had uh, Shuri and Julia from Stardom as part of the uh, the um, the G1 Finals uh, pre-match ceremonies, giving the uh, the ceremonial bouquets to uh, Kazuchika Okada and uh, and Will Ospreay. And Kevin Kelly then said. Hopefully they can return the favor at some point, you know, where Okada and Osprey do the the bouquet stuff in a pre-main event, a main event ceremony, a main event ceremony where they then give like Shiri and I don't know, maybe Julia, maybe Tom Nakano or whoever, Starlight Kid, uh, the bouquets. I think that would be a nice show of respect. I'm stoked. I'm stoked for this uh, New Japan stardom synergy. I really am. And I know there's a lot of people who are fucking irritated about it. And it makes me even more happy about it. But coming back to the G1, time for Warren's picks. <laughs> no, I'll never do that again. Um... If my, I think my MVP of the tournament is Will Ospreay. I don't know if you in chat have any other thoughts, but I think there is, uh, I, I don't think there's anyone who's had more consistently good matches in this tournament than he has. He's worked hard in every match he's been in and everyone he's wrestled again against looked great at the same time. Um, I would give a very close second to Aaron Hanare, who had a fantastic tournament as well. Even though his record is uh, is the pits, he's uh, he's two and eight. Um, he had a fantastic, fantastic event uh, for his first time in. Looked incredible. Wrestled such solid matches, and I'm excited for his future. But Will Osprey, I think, definitely the MVP for your boy Warren. Um, best nights of the tournament. Let's say if I were to pick my top three, night 12. Night 12 of the G1 32 is absolutely the best night of the tournament. That is not even, 
Justin Firestein hit the bricks. <laughs> Night 12 was absolutely the best uh, the best um, uh, overall night of wrestling for the G1. That would have been the uh, the uh, 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 August 6th show. You had Yoshi, Yoshihashi and El Fantasmo, Lance Archer and Toriyano, which was actually one of the better, more fun Toriyano matches. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Hiroki Goto, which ruled. Zach, uh, Jay White versus Great Okan, which was fantastic as well. And of course, Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay, which was, which is a match of the year. Um, I'd say night one is another very good night of G1 action. Night one is, you know, it, it was the opening salvo, one that got a lot of us very excited because it was a very solid show uh, on uh, July 16. Uh, so we're going all the way back to start. Aaron Hanare with his surprise win on Hiroshi Tanahashi. Will Ospreay uh, versus El Fantasmo in a very good, like the bar. I had That's how I had called this match. So this is the bar from which all other matches are going to be judged. It was very, very good. Jay White defeating Sonata and Kazuchika Okada defeating Jeff Cobb. Uh, setting the stage with some great matches. Everyone was working hard. Fun night. And night four. I think would round up my top three matches. Which happened on July 23rd. Where we had Zack Sabre Jr. versus Aaron Hanare. Which was very good. Shingo Takagi versus Yoshihashi. Which was outstanding. Kazuchika Okada versus Toriyano. Which was what it was. And Jay White defeating Tomohiro Ishii. In one of their better encounters. Very, very good one. And if you were to ask me what were my top five matches of the tournament. I'm going to go with the finals. Okada versus Osprey. I'm going to go with Shingo versus Will on night 12. I'm going to go with Juice Robinson versus David Finley from night 6. No one... Yet, and it was a hard fought a fight just a good passionate hardcore fight without being a hardcore match but uh, and what made it even better is that no one saw this one coming to be as good as it was Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kenta on night 2 was outstanding as well and to top off my top 5 let's say uh, Shingo Takagi versus Yoshihashi on night 4 don't sleep on it. G1 Climax 32 is in the books. If you did check out my my coverage, let me know. Let me know if you liked it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do it again next year. And I'm already thinking maybe I should do like daily videos. Daily recaps. Instead of packaging two into one. Maybe that would be a little more fun. A little more dynamic. AEW Dynamite is coming up next. Now, last night's Dynamite was a different Dynamite than what we usually get. Very heavy on promos, stories, so on and so forth. Not as diverse as far as matches go. We did have some <laughs> excellent pro wrestling. Don't get me wrong. But my recap is going to be a little different. It's not going to be as much of a 
It's not going to be as much as a breakdown of stuff, things that happened in the matches and so on and so forth, as much as let's talk about what the hell happened all throughout the show. There's a lot of events that happen in this show. Let's get to it. Started, for me, started with a little bit of a, a little reserve, a little, oh, oh, they're deciding to start the show with a promo. You guys know how I feel about that. If you've been, if you've been a, a long-time listener of the Mr. Warren Hayes show, you know how I feel about wrestling programs starting off with anything else than a wrestling match. It doesn't make sense to me. That's not why I tune in. And AEW has been guilty. You know, there's the one, there, you know, there's the one Fed that keeps doing that. But AEW has been guilty about that in that respect too. They've they they've done a couple of times where I'm like, why why are we starting with a promo? If the promo has real significance and importance, something very, very important to convey, I can completely understand why you start with it. You know, John Moxley coming out to, you know, back from uh, back from getting cleaned up, right? Getting clean, coming back and being like, guys, I'm sober. That's a great way to fucking start your show. Adam Cole cutting a promo on the Bucks for just cutting a promo on the Bucks. Ah, why not start with a match? We didn't have to start with this. Now, CM Punk comes out. And ultimately, I'm like, okay, I probably would not have started this show any other way either. He comes out. He's got the world championship on his uh, on his shoulder. And he calls out Adam Page to a match. And we're going to start talking about this. Because there's, there's some discourse. There's some discussion around this. So we're going to, before I, I dive any further into AEW Dynamite, we're going to start by talking about, about Hangman Page calling out, uh, CM Punk calling out Hangman Page on last night's Dynamite when we're a couple of weeks away from All Out and we're all expecting him to, to go off on John Moxley. Look, here we go. I'm going to read a report from the, from the Observer, Wrestling on the Observer Figure 4 Online. AEW World Champion CM Punk's quote-unquote coward remark and call-out of Hangman Page in the opening promo of Wednesday's Dynamite was not planned, according to Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez of Wrestling Observer Radio. Quote, That was weird for everyone in that no one knew he was going to do that. Meltzer said, later saying, Punk vs. Page 2 is not planned for All Out. After Punk's acknowledgement of the Charleston, West Virginia crowd, he said he had some important things and not-so-important things to take care of. He wanted to get the not-so-important thing out of his way and said he wanted to challenge someone from, quote-unquote, around these parts to a rematch. Nate W., nice to see you, and welcome. He then said, quote, Hangman Adam Page, you want that rematch? Let's do it right here, right now, unquote. Then he sat down in the middle of the ring as the crowd chanted, but Page's music never hit. 
and he never came out. Quote, my sentiments exactly. Now on to the important things. That's not cowboy shit. That's coward shit. Quote, unquote. He said, he being CM Punk. Meltzer reiterated that there's, quote, that, quote, there's a lot of reality, unquote, to the issues they aired about each other during the build to Page versus Punk at Double or Nothing. He later opined that there might have been something Page said during their promos that irked Punk to the point he wanted to air it during his first in-ring promo since getting injured. Punk then moved to the interim champion John Moxley, and after uh, after two pull-aparts during Wednesday's show, the unification match was made for next Wednesday's Dynamite instead of All Out, which was a surprise move. Now, we're going to get to that in a second. Um, but Meltzer here specifies, and here's another quote. Whatever they are going to do next week with the title match, Punk's promo had absolutely zero zilch to do with whatever they're doing at the pay-per-view. That's what Alvarez said. That was not supposed to happen. Punk went into business for himself and then moved on. Oh, the, those words, those terrible words, going into business for himself. So that's... Uh, that's a pretty big uh, that that's a pretty big thing and you know I and I look at the situation right and I yeah I rewatched it of course you know just to make sure that there was nothing that was escaping me um and it it did feel right like CM Punk was going rogue right like he going into business sure sure felt that way it felt like he was doing that now the question is, was he? This is, this is still pro wrestling. People lie all the time. People are working all the time. Because I can't help but but think, you know, you know, the with the amount of money that is being shelled out, you know, the amount of money that a quarter hour is worth in, you know, in, in, on TV, on live television. I find it difficult to believe that things would go so off so off script. You know what I mean? Just because of the economics behind it. Cuz cuz if I'm cuz if I'm Tony Khan, you know, it's my company and we're, you know, we're getting paid, you know, all this 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 cash and, you know, we're striking deals with sponsors and so on and so forth. I'm like, look, this is what my quarter hour is worth. I don't have time on my live television program, which costs so much money to produce, to settle back backstage grudges. This is just, you know, surly old Warren who's looking at this, he's sniffing at it, and he's like, I'm, smells kind of fishy, pal. Now, there has been heat between CM Punk and Adam Page. This is a legitimate thing for months now. And it's been, you know, it's fairly well known and documented. Like, I'm, you know, I don't think this is the most, I don't think it's the most 
common knowledge thing, but the information is out there. The, you know, the, the reports are out there. Joe Lanza over at the flagship podcast, you know, he, he had a, a, a breakdown of this. He put out some audio today. He, do, he usually does the, um, the uh, Thursday night, re- the, the the Wednesday night review. He puts it out on a Thursday. And usually it it's released while I'm getting ready for the show so I don't have time to listen to it. But he released it like mid-afternoon today. So I had a chance to listen to it and I'm glad I did. Because he had, you know, some supplementary information here to add on to, to this report. Now, he he's straight off the bat said, you know, I'm not confirming or denying what Alvarez and Meltzer are reporting. He says, I can't, I can't say for sure whether CM Punk went into business for himself or not. Because he wasn't outright told that. But he thinks it's plausible, which is kind of where I am too, because I had heard that Punk and Page don't get along. And that the heat does go back to the um to that one weird promo that um uh, that one weird promo that uh uh, uh, uh um uh, Adam Page did during the build up to double or nothing the one where he started talking about workers rights and people thought that he was referencing CM Punk um that he was referencing CM Punk is supporting Sasha and Naomi walking out of WWE, whereas maybe he doesn't have the same type of workers' support. He doesn't support the workers within his own company. I think that's was that was the uh, the underlying subtext of that particular promo. Now, apparently, after that promo, Tony Khan uh, called both CM Punk and Hangman Page into his office, and they kind of you know, had a bit of a heated meeting, right? Because apparently, uh, as Lanza said, Punk was caught off guard by some of the points Hangman was making and felt he went into business for himself. Here's something else that's very interesting here. You know, uh, CM Punk would have said, you know, would say, you know, Adam Page, great talent, you know, super charismatic, a good guy, great guy, but I would never, I will never job for Page. This is something that CM Punk would say. Now, Lanza was clear to say that he's not sure if he said it to Hangman's face or if he's just telling others, right? Knowing CM Punk, I don't think he'd have an issue telling it to him, saying that to Adam Page's face directly, but you never know. Um, Lenz also specified that there are more feuds in AEW that are based off reality than we may actually realize. I think there's some that are, you can feel it, right? Let's see, Punk Eddie Kingston is not, I mean, I mean, you know, um, Lanza does not know if Punk still feels at this point that he won't job to uh, to Page because that thing would have been said months ago. Um, 
But, uh, um, you know, this kind of feels like maybe uh, maybe that CM Punk um, did this, this dig at Hangman Page as a receipt, right? As a get back to what he had to, 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 for that moment, right? Uh, he... There's a there's you know a feeling that this is not a work because it feels like they'd be working everyone in the locker room. This is the kind of thing that the boys seem to think that this is legitimate, right? If that's a work and they're working everybody, including the locker room, you can't discount a work. But playing both sides like that, you just can't do it in pro wrestling, especially while they're doing this very elaborate MJF thing, right? Where they're working every day. So, you know, there, there's that part. There, there's all these moving parts here that kind of make the situation look a little strange. It's like, well, maybe they're just settling up some, some unfinished business here. But there's one thing, you know, there, and look, okay. And, yeah, and in the meantime, the official AEW account clipped on Twitter, clipped the the reaction, clipped CM Punk calling out Adam Page and retweeted that on their Twitter. And as the kids say, that's highly sus. Because if it was something that was very off the cuff, not expected and quote-unquote, going into business for yourself, why would the main official media account for the company retweet that? You know what I mean? This is all... this. There's a level of plausibility to it all because it is CM Punk, who is a guy who is notorious for doing this kind of stuff. You know... I myself have been told that, you know, people were excited to have CM Punk in the locker room, but it, a lot of people felt that it was a question of time before his full colors show up. Maybe this is it. I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm going to look, I just the fact that this that this going into business for themselves thing was retweeted on the official account of AEW. That wasn't like clipped out of existence. I kind of feel like... um, I kind of feel like there's... That this might be a war. I'm, 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 I'm shifting more and more towards this is a work, you guys. Because if it was something that really didn't belong, that was not part of a plan, that they did not have anything going, I don't think they would have, I don't think they'd continue promoting it. I don't think they'd create emphasis on it, especially by clipping only that out. You know, and the the idea, you know, and this is Lanza that said this, you know, it's a receipt. It's absolutely a receipt. Thank you very much for your subscription, Nate W. I appreciate it. Welcome Welcome to the channel. I appreciate it. Like Lanza said, 
if he's going to um if he's going to if they if they if they're going to promote this right and CM Punk like has these has has these these issues with Paige you know if if they're going to promote this this is clearly they're they're clearly moving on to something else this is part of a plan I don't know what plan it is at this point but there is something going on and I'm also look and I'm going to tell you I am all for, I am all for wrestlers who don't get along with each other, but still manage to work together, right? And manage to be professional, you know, from bell to bell in the ring. Because that adds an extra edge. Like, it, sure, it's fun when we know they're friends and, you know, they're having a good time and they're enjoying each other. But it is so much, there is so much more to get out of the energy of two guys who just don't like each other. But like, look, we're going to do this because we want to make money. I, I love a world where everyone gets along all the time. It's just impossible, especially in a locker room of professional wrestlers where everyone, everyone is looking out for their own self first and foremost, because they're all, you know, they're all little businesses and about themselves and they all have egos. They all have egos. So of course you're going to have people who are just not naturally not going to get along. And for better or for worse, it makes wrestling more interesting. I'm echoing Lenz's uh, uh, comments here because I agree with them. It feeds the promos. It makes them better. It creates another type of energy. And you know what? Here's the thing is that the, you know, the one big happy family AEW locker room is, yeah, that's done. It's been done for a while and it's done, done, done. There's a certain subset of fans who are starting to see this and like, what happened to the AEW? I used to know. Where are all the good times and the happy smiles and the handshakes and the pickle? It's a business and it's always been a business. You know, the, and I'm talking people who are running websites and who are, you know, quote unquote influencers who don't understand. They're like, what's going on? This is not the AEW I knew. It's pro wrestling. And this was inevitable. The honeymoon is over. Now it's time to do business. Can't point at a specific moment in time where there's some kind of catalyst or whatever. But, you know, it has to be run like a business instead of one big loving. And, you know, there seems to be tensions between, you know, the AEW OGs and, and the WWE guys. That's where it all stems, you know, the guys from WWE coming in making lots more money. I mean, this is the basis of MJF. Walking out, right? Pay me, Tony. Pay me for what I'm worth. You're bringing in CM Punk. You're giving him, you know, God, ungodly amounts of money. What about me? MJF's not the only guy. I'm convinced Adam Page was on that was was on that level too. He didn't walk out, but I can see it. 
These new WWE guys taking spots, if not the money, just taking spots that other guys have been working for. There are tensions. I think there, and 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 then Kenny. I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Spoiler alert: Kenny Omega showed up on Dynamite last night. You know, he cuts a promo for the audience afterwards where he's talking about not being selfish and not being a tribute act. Who is he talking about? What do you think? A tribute act to whom? For whom? Right? Who's Who recently has been, you know, who's been recently getting, getting a, you know, some, some flack for masturbatory Bret Hart matches? Right? Bret Hart tribute matches. Damn punk, the, the 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 FTR. You have all the MJF stuff happening in the meantime. Now I want I'm gonna put on my conspiracy hat. I'm gonna put on it's not conspiracy. No, not the conspiracy hat. We're gonna put on uh the um let's see how far we can push this work idea, Warren hat. It's a very complex hat. I don't put it on very often. But I want you guys to hear me out. I want you guys to hear me out. What if all of these little things that we see here, because even in the promo with John Moxley, right? Moxley is calling out CM Punk and saying, you know, I'm the heart and soul of this place and you're in here for the money and CM Punk's like, yes, I'm the dollars and cents, you know, kind of thing. I'm the draw. Just hear me out. What if all of this, you know, the the Hangman Page comments, uh, the Snide Kenny Omega comments, what if all of this, and you know, the the sort of you know some of the the crux of the John Moxley promo as well. What if all of this was? The basis for like a faction war brewing within AEW, right? What if you have, what if it leads to the OGs, so to speak, versus the other guys? You know, CM Punk and and FTR are pals, right? What if this, what if these seeds have been planted for a long, long, long time? And we're going to go back and we're going to like, shit, they were referencing it here. But And what if this is what we're seeing here? We think we're getting worked while in reality, we're just, yeah, we're doing a bit of, we're doing a bit of a, a, a of work shoot, just a, just a, a smidge, just playing off weird uh, uh, reports that that the news sites put out there, and we're we're going to use these to our advantage instead. Because I failed to see why Kenny Omega would get the way he did, addressing the audience on his return night, if it wasn't very specific. If it didn't have a, if it didn't, and, and that that's one of the things that's putting it over in my brain. Now, maybe, maybe I'm 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 overthinking this whole work shoot nonsense, and maybe it is just like just some shoots, 
some shoot work that they're doing. And CM Punk was promised that he could get a receipt back on Adam Page. Call him a coward because he didn't come out when, you know, the show was inscripted for Adam Page to come out. So Adam Page is not going to come out because the show's not scripted that way. Because if it was really a shoot, wouldn't you think Adam Page would be like, a fuck you, motherfucker, and come out? Like, I, I, I'm very dubious. And if, and if it is a work, I think it's well done. And I think they're establishing a good foundation for some really fun uh, 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 feuds in the future that will animate the fan base, that will get people excited, that will get people mad, and so on and so forth. I'm just... Mm, I, I, I'm not on board with this being a... with this being a... I'm going into business for myself... If, if it was an impromptu thing, at the very least, I assume, I assume, I would, I would go as far as to say that Tony Khan approved it. But I think this is part of a bigger plan. And maybe there are tensions, maybe there are actual real tensions that I have no problem in believing. I'm convinced there is. Why wouldn't there be? And maybe Tony Khan sees him and he's like, you know what, we're going to use this. And we're going to do something with this. Instead of just like, sitting around and chewing the fat and being mad at each other, we're going to turn this into money. Anyway, we're not done talking about it. We barely talked about the show. Barely. DGMC, nice to see you. Welcome. Anyway, we're not done. John Moxley comes out. Well, hang on. Uh, um... Before that, after after we're done talking about Adam Page, CM Punk goes to the main event, John Moxley. He says he's got a lot of fans and he can be number one in your hearts fans, but he's not number one in this ring. And that would be me, CM Punk. He knows what it's like to talk a big game and claim to be the best, but John Moxley has always been number two. In fact, John Moxley is the third best guy in his own group. And that seems to be a reoccurring theme in his career. What a great, what a dick line, but what a great line. He calls Eddie Kingston the third best Eddie and the second best Eddie he's ever been in in the locker room with. The third best Kingston. So, Kofi, I guess. He repeatedly asks us uh, to tell him when he's, uh, well, he's, he's saying over and over again, right? You know, tell me I'm lying, right? Anyway, Moxley comes out. Punk does snow angels because he thinks Moxley's entrance is too long. How's that for irony? Mox hits the ring and says, Punk's dropping pipe bombs, writing checks with his mouth that his body can't cash yet again. Tell me he's lying. He thinks he's the best wrestler in the world. Most of the time, he's not even the best wrestler in catering, is what John Moxley says. Mox says that he's the heart and soul of the company, and every time 
He gets called interim. It grates on him. Punk says, you can be the heart and soul. That's fine. I'm the dollars and cents. Basically saying, you do your thing and I'll be the draw. CM Punk is leaning into this bullshit. And I like it. John says, they both know why CM Punk came to AEW and that's because he ran out of money. Says, I'm the best because it's all about guts and fighting spirit and we all know you, CM Punk, ran out of fighting spirit a long time ago. I like it. They continue, uh, they, they continue the exchange. Things get real heated. And Mox steps up. And I'm like, mm. and, and there's something. See, this is it. Is that if there is heat, if there's any kind of heat, you can feel it. Because it's, it's adding this energy to this feud. Because it's, it's not your regular, just plain old wrestling face-to-face standoff. There's something going on. Mox is agitated more so than usual. He gives him a kiss. And they start. And he just lands one, right? He just lands a right one. And CM Punk, he doesn't even blink. And he just like uncorks. I loved every second of that. What a great pull apart brawl. What a great opening segment for Dynamite, which was not a match. And we're not done talking about all of this either. Powerhouse Will Hobbs is backstage. She talks about, you know, R- Ricky Starks again. Uh, you know, he says he's not done with Ricky Starks. And he's not done with the uh, with QT in the factory as well. All right, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. And I'm like, let's go, let's go. Now I'm, now I'm, now I'm itching for some, I'm itching for some wrestling at this point. I'm seeing a couple of macho dudes, you know, throwing insults at each other and, you know, th- ready to tear each other apart and I want now I want, that's exactly what I want to see Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is ringside for this match as a special guest timekeeper Chris Jericho joins commentary as we move to Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia two best two out of three falls and I don't know what else to tell you then we are spoiled. Again, spoiled rotten when it comes to quality matches on our television screens on a weekly basis. Even in the best days of Nitro, this was not so fucking consistent. We didn't get a match of the year, which is what we got on Dynamite this week with these two guys here. We're spoiled. Week after week after week, Dynamite delivers with extraordinary matches, good matches, great matches. We get a fucking match of the year delivered unto us. We didn't have to pay any extra money to see it. It ruled. It was great. Who cares if this was a response from Tony Khan 
about Triple H getting all the all the good attention, all the good vibes. Who the fuck cares? Good, we won. Everyone wins. The fans win. We get good matches. I don't care what the reasons are. This is what competition is supposed to do. We're supposed to have great wrestling matches, no matter what show we watch. We get Kevin Owens versus Drew McIntyre on Monday. Tears the house down. We get this match here, which was extraordinary, exceptional. I have zero time, zero time for anyone calling for the demise of any wrestling promotion. Zero time for anyone hoping that AEW goes under. Competition is what is making this good. Getting rid of the dead weight in WWE and having a guy who understands that even if they're not on the same playing field as far as ratings go or 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 uh, or licensing deals go, they're still competition, and we still have to outdo them. This is good. I don't give a shit if that was the reason. Tony Khan's ego couldn't take it. No one talking about him last week. Good. Let him have a small fucking ego if I'm going to have fucking Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson or matches like this every fucking week. Pisses me off. Because a lot of you, I'm sorry, but a lot of y'all don't realize. You're so entrenched in your hatred for the other brand that you don't realize that this kind of stuff is happening because we are in a competitive environment. Because there are two nationally televised wrestling promotions that we can sink our teeth into, that have the talent to do it too. Plus, like I was talking about earlier, then on top of that, the wrestlers can, they can move from promotion to promotion and work better deals for themselves, then make more money. I have no respect for anyone, anyone who wishes this would go back to one singular promotion. No respect. Did I tell you guys that I'm retiring me saying to anyone or anyone saying to me, because it's going to be, you have to respect so-and-so for so-and-so. I don't have to respect anyone. I don't have to. I will give my respect to whoever I feel deserves it. Someone earns it, they got it. But I'm done with that stupid-ass expression. Oh, but you have to respect. No, I don't. I'll choose to. But I don't have to respect anyone. For whatever accomplishments and so on and so on. Because most of the time, when people use that, that, that thing, it's like, you know, oh, despite the fact that, you know, he skins cats and eats babies, you have to respect his accomplishments for the world of tennis. No, I don't. It might be exaggerating, but you know what I mean? Like, it's always like, 
you know, he might, you know, oh sure, he's racist, but you have to respect him for you know, everything he's done for the good of the, uh, for the good of the, 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 the country, whatever. I don't know. No, I don't. It was a thing. It was a thing that someone told me at some point when I was aping on Jackson Riker. Chad Lale, son of a bitch. Well, you have to respect him because he's a Marine and defended our country. It's like, first of all, not my country. And second of all, I don't have to. No. Uh, good on him if he did what he felt he needed to do, but he's an asshole. Might have gone on in a tangent there. Has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. Uh, because we're talking about um, one of my matches of the year, it's in the book. It's in it, it's in my it's in my match of the year book for uh, 2022. This was just outstanding, excellent, excellent pro wrestling. Just beautiful, beautiful storytelling uh, from top to bottom. I was so hype. I was so happy. Uh, and again, like I'm doing things different because there's a lot of stuff to talk about, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, 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 break down everything, but Danny, 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 Danny Garcia got the first pinfall, the first fall, not a pinfall, but a submission on Danielson, arm trap dragon sleeper, clean as a fucking sheet. And if you consider that this is the second, this is the match, the first pin after which he he defeated Brian Danielson. He defeated Brian Danielson twice in a row. And this time, clean as a whistle. Pure as the driven snow. And Danielson, he's playing defense for the rest of this match, which is absolutely phenomenal. Brian Danielson, I have said it once, and I will say it again. He is the greatest North American pro wrestler of all time. A guy who can do it all. No one is as versatile in everything that is pro wrestling than that guy. And we have it right before our eyes. And people still find, find a way to, to bitch and complain about it. And I'm like, you're going to miss him in 20 years when he can't do this shit anymore. You're going to miss him. You're gonna, oh, people are going to be sitting there and going, like, uh, we didn't know how good we had it. We, you fucking don't. So Danielson's playing defense this entire match and he gets, in, he gets put into another dragon sleeper, but he's able to reverse it into a pinning combo. Tied. Danielson beats Garcia with the label lock. Just fantastic shit. Then, post-match, as if that wasn't cool enough. Post-match, Danielson is up on his feet. And he's talking to Garcia. And, and, and he's off, he offers a hand to shake. Audience is up on their fucking feet. Because we know the sports entertainer thing is a goof. We know why they did this with Daniel Garcia. Probably the best technical wrestler to come out of uh, to, to come out of the indies of the past 
10 years, 15 years. A wrestler's wrestler tells us, well, I'm a sports entertainer. Ah, we get the goof. That's fine. And now he's standing there. And Brian Danielson has this arm extended to shake my hand. What the fuck happens? Chris Jericho leaves commentary, comes to beat up Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson. I love it. But then something completely unexpected happens. Danny Garcia pushes him off. He says, what are you doing? And Jericho's like, what, what are you doing? And they start arguing. And I swear, at any moment, I'm like, ah, Garcia's going to start stomping on him. Nah. Jericho's doing one of these. He's pointing with his finger and Garcia swats the finger away. And I'm like, holy shit. Wait a second. Hang on a minute. Jericho leaves. The audience is up on their fucking feet. And they're going, you're a wrestler. And Garcia's conflicted. He leaves. This whole thing ruled so fucking hard. Let's 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 keep going. And honestly, the Blackpool Combat Club lead needs a woman. Needs a woman. Needs a Jamie Hader in there. A, a real one. Someone who can hurt people. Brickbat left a super chat, a generous super chat at that. Thank you very much, Brickbat. I appreciate it. He says, respect is earned. Demanding it is the fastest way to lose it. Testify, Mr. Hayes. Thank you. Thank you for the thank you for the support. I respect you. <laughs> Sounds kind of cheap when someone gives you money, like, oh, I respect you quite a bit. Thank you. But no, but seriously, it's it's I don't know. There's these expressions like, you know what I'm trying to cut out as well uh, from. And I think I've, I've done it. It's been very conscious, but it's so ingrained in my unconscious that it's in my unconscious that it's difficult to break. It's, uh, um, uh, you know, well, well, if I'm being honest. Right. You know, when someone tells you that and usually it's very innocuous. Right. It's it's usually a way to express like, like I know how when when people use it, it's to express Look, I'm being real here, you know, but, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, if I'm being honest, I'm like, wait, you weren't being honest all these other times that we were talking. Now you've just shed, you've just sowed the seed of doubt from top to bottom now, because I don't know what to expect from you. You have to preface everything now with, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you, because otherwise I'm going to be thinking that you're not. If you have to underscore the fact that right now you're being honest, what does it mean all the other times? So I've been, that's something for years I've been trying to phase out. And, and, and it's a tough one because it's so ingrained. You know, it's, it's, it's one that's been very much ingrained. So I'm trying to phase that expression out because it, it, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's kind of weird where it's like, yeah, everything I say is a lie except when I tell you. Now, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, let's keep going here. Swerve in our glory. Thank you very much again, Brickbat, for the super chat. Swerve in our glory and private party are interviewed backstage. And uh, uh, they're happy that private party are ranked now. It's fine. Tony Nice 
comes to the ring, makes his entrance, but John Moxley just ambushes the dude out of nowhere, beats the shit out of him and Mark Sterling, and I'm up on my feet. I'm like, this is fantastic. More of this, more of this. And he rolls into the ring, calls CM Punk out. He's like, I'm sick of waiting. Let's fucking do this. CM Punk runs out, but he's got like, you know, staff all around him. He's got the security and then Pat Buck who's there to try. You know, it's serious when Pat Buck is out there trying to keep people separated. Claudio and Yuda are there to keep Moxley, uh, Moxley down and just fantastic shit. I'm such a, it's so simple. It's so simple. Two guys, they hate each other. They want to fight. Moxley's like, you know what? I hate this guy so much that I'm going to go ruin production. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna blindside Tony Nese and I'm going to call CM Punk out. And Punk is like, let's fucking go, you son of a bitch. You know? I fucking love it. And then this leads us to... Mox versus Punk next week on Dynamite. To the absolute dismay of the entire wrestling world, we're getting what was all but ordained the all-out main event. We're getting it next week, the unification match, on TV. I want to give, first of all, a shout out to, you know, all uh, all of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the acute business aficionados out there, uh, you know, who, you know, who are, uh, uh, you know, uh, so concerned about uh, AEW's buy rates for, for All Out uh, that, uh, you know, they were, who instantly wrote this off as a mistake, right? Uh, uh, shout out because this is the kind of swerve I can deal with this keeps me on my toes this is like I'm telling you guys chaos is better chaos is always better and we got a lot of chaos in this show and I loved it chaos is always better keep me on my toes keep me surprised Tony Nese getting blindsided to continue the angle. Was not expecting that. I popped. Mox versus CM Punk next week. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I love it. And I'm not going to sit here and try to say, well, you know, the buyer rate is what. Here's what, here is what I, this is the only analysis that I can offer at this point. And I think that anyone who tries to uh, uh, deepen their analysis uh, is uh, full of shit. Uh, and has, uh, or, you know, unless they have direct insight into what uh, 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 Tony Khan is planning for All Out, they're full of shit. This is all I can offer as analysis. Tony Khan has something bigger up his sleeve for All Out. That's the only explanation for this. That for him, he's got a bigger main event for his signature show. The big one than John Moxley versus CM Punk. And there's I I and I believe there is only one match that is bigger than that. There is only one match bigger than that that you can deliver instantaneously right then and there 
And that is CM Punk versus MJF3. And I think that's that's the swerve. This is what we're getting. I think it makes absolute sense. And MJF makes his return. I think he makes his return next week. We're in. This is all out season, baby. Do you remember when Wrestle when the build up to WrestleMania was exciting and they were throwing and WWE was throwing curveballs at us and we were we were pumped because all sorts of shit was happening. This is what's happening in this build up for all out. We're getting a hot as fuck angle being set up, but no, it's not for the pay-per-view. It's for next week on Dynamite, which only means we're going to get something bigger at Doll Out. Now, I will gladly eat my words. Not a problem. If, if, the, if it under-delivers, if we end up, honest to God, and I'm, let me, let's, let's preface this. If... If the main event for All Out is CM Punk versus Hangman Adam Page 2, I'll be disappointed. I'll be like, Mox and CM Punk was the bigger match. If they make it a triple threat, I will be disappointed. But somehow, because when it it comes to these big time main event matches, Tony has a history of delivering. So I am naturally more inclined to think that something big is going to come out of this. And the only thing that can be bigger than CM Punk versus John Moxley is CM Punk MJF3. And don't get me wrong. You know, All Out is going to do fantastic numbers, but it's not going to do numbers as good, as great as All Out last year. This last year was, you know, CM Punk's return to wrestling. They, you, there's nothing, they, 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 you know, they will not be able to overachieve on that. I think that's a once in a lifetime thing, right? Maybe not in a lifetime, but it's, you know, it's going to take a lot more to... uh to 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 have a bigger number than that. That's a maybe not once in a lifetime, but it's a, you know it's it, 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 it's a moment that's been bottled. Let's put it that way. Hard for me to see anything different than this. Anything different. I'm running long. Say what? I'm running long. Um. Okay. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to skip most of Dynamite. We're going to go directly to the main event. And I'm going to add some extra content for the members. So I'm going to be going Broadway again. For the members, if you want to join that extra content, you have to become a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel. You can do so right now or whenever you want. You'll get access to this extra content. All of my final thoughts on uh, on AEW uh, Dynamite. 
Might even talk about some Vince McMahon a little bit too. We'll see how I'm feeling. See how good things are going. Because we have to talk about the main event. And I don't want the, the podcast to be like four hours and I feel like I'm going down that route. But we had the main event, AW World Trios title tournament first round match, the elite versus La Faction Ingobernable. And uh, the elite, the partners for Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, was unsurprisingly Kenny Omega making his return. And as uh, King of the North, Evan left in his milestone message uh, earlier on as a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes show, he said, Kenny Goat Mega is back. Cry, Triple H fans. <laughs> Thank you very much for the super chat. But, you know, it's exactly what I was saying earlier. If this was, if this is all spurred by Tony going, mm, I can't let Triple H, I can't let WWE maintain all the headlines. Fine. I We as fans win in these circumstances right here. So again, not necessarily going to focus on the match. I thought the match was I thought the match was pretty good. Uh, I really liked Roosh's uh, only contribution in this match, which was to be shoved into a, a pin to break it up. Um, <laughs> and of course, Dragon Lee's insane uh, tope blockbuster on Kenny Omega. People calling it, you know, just a plain old tope suicida are doing it such a disservice. Such an incredible disservice. That was a blockbuster that he hit. Just insane stuff. But they got the win the Elite did. In a fun match. I enjoyed it. I want to get this out of the way. Right now. Um, you know, Two hours of JR is too much. I can't stand it. And I would say, I will, I will mute... The commentary. In a jiffy, I really would. If it weren't for the fact that Excalibur and Taz are so good. But when Don Callis arrived on commentary, it became insufferable. Insufferable. Just the bickering that these two were going at. It's like, Jesus, you guys aren't feuding and we don't care. Kenny Omega is back. And I'll be even more forthcoming with this. Don Callis was too much. We didn't need him back. Is, is Kenny... I, he, we didn't need the hype man. And it didn't add anything. Kenny Omega returned to the ring. That's really all we needed. That's really all we needed. But the bickering that he was doing with JR, insufferable, intolerable. I was, I was so done with it. Two hours of JR is too much. Two hours of JR is too much. He zones out during the broadcast. There's moments that he's just not there. He's phoning it in. He's phoning it in most of the time regardless. He doesn't add anything. We're good. Because when you have Taz... Battle of the Belts a couple of weeks ago that commentary table of Excalibur, Taz, Caprice and, and William Regal was just ah oh, that was gold 
That was a wrestling fan's goal. Uh, that was a wrestling fan's treasure. Right there. Uh, you got to get JR out of the equation. And, and this whole Don Callis thing was way too much. Blech. Anyway. I thought I Because I really feel it took away from the significance of, of um, Kenny Omega coming back. Distracted from the story of that. Nope. Didn't like it. Didn't like it a bit. But I did like Kenny Omega coming back. That's good. Now, since we're on the subjects of works and shoots and work shoots. I know Kenny is working with a, a compression um, a shirt is what they called it. And, and on a shoulder brace, which just so happens to be his one wing shoulder, one winged angel shoulder. Huh? Hmm. Huh? Hmm. I know this is going to piss a lot of people off because I, I know what I'm going to say is going to piss, piss a lot of people off. But Kenny Omega is a storyteller. And I know like right now there's a lot of people just like flip their tables. They toss their iPhones out the window. They punch, uh, they, they, they punch right through their computer screen. Like, oh, fuck you, Warren. Don't, don't go down that. But yeah, because it's true. that he was overselling the extent of his injuries giving us the impression that he's not ready this might actually be an out for the elite uh, to not make it to the end of the tournament which would be a shocker but I think they have that possibility there you know him fucking up the you can't escape you know roll into Seemed very convenient. I wouldn't be surprised if he, if next time he wrestles, he tries it again and he fucks it up again. These are wrestlers. They're workers. This is what they do. CM Punk was walking with a cane and uh, and uh, 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 limping at that. Uh, uh, comic book convention a couple of weeks ago before coming back last week on dynamite and skipping around on his foot that's what they do it doesn't offend me shouldn't offend you Kenny's fine and this is going to be some form of storytelling that they're going to carry through this tournament maybe a little longer until Kenny is probably ready to challenge for uh, the world championship again and then all of a sudden Kenny is back he's, he's back to maybe not all of a sudden but you know like we'll progressively get back to the situation where Kenny is Kenny's on top of the world again you know he's back to being himself there are no dummies here this is the thing it's like Kenny Omega came back too quickly they're forcing him back they're having him maybe but AEW is in the AEW is in no peril without Kenny Omega, right? Because we saw this over the past few, you know, couple of months. Omega out, CM Punk out, Brian Danielson out, Adam Cole out. 
They weathered that storm, not a problem. Not a problem. Weathered that one. So I don't think that they rushed. I, I really don't think they rushed him back. And I, and, and I feel this is a story. And I feel he's going to play through it. And you know what? It's okay if you get worked. It's not a big deal. Let yourself be worked. It's pro wrestling. It's okay. Last year, like, for about 12 months during the pandemic, Kazuchika Okada was working a back injury. They were saying he had a herniated back. His herniated disc. Can't herniate the whole back, but you know what I mean. And, and I bought into it completely because he was having subpar matches. And the conversation, I shit you not, amongst New Japan fans, smart and not smart, not so smart, was, is Kenny Omega, excuse me, is Kazuchika Okada washed up? Is He's 33 years old, is he done? He's been wrestling so hard, you know, at such a high level, his body's catching up with him, he can't do it anymore. I, that was the discussion everyone was having unironically. He was working the whole time. Because suddenly, the G131 turns around and he's having incredible matches again. The Rainmaker's back. Everyone's like, holy shit. It was a work the whole time. The shitty, the subpar match. You were looking at Kazuchika Okada and this is how committed he was. Kazuchika Okada, who could have a brilliant match with a fern, was hitting the ring and having very basic, ordinary matches. And you're like, this is not what I'm expecting out of Kazuchika Okada. What the fuck is going on? That's how committed he was. That's how much faith he has in his abilities. Because he was like, when I come back, when we're ready to go, when we're ready to pull the trigger on this, I'm going to be back. Uh, we'll be fine. Pull the trigger and uh, I'll be back to doing Rainmaker shit. And he was. And he has been since. I'll be damned if Kenny Omega did not see that and go like, hmm, I actually might like to try that. Be damned. It's a work. He's not coming back too early. He's going to work the injuries. He's going to make the concern trolls on, on Twitter concern troll the hell out of it. And then all of a sudden, there's going to be a match that's going to happen and we're going to have we're going we're going to have the cleaner back the terminator whichever whichever uh, incarnation of Kenny Omega that you think is the best he's going to come back and you're going to be like oh my god oh my fucking god we were had and it's fine cuz you know what that's how wrestlers tell their stories by making you feel shit you're supposed to feel something and if that makes you uncomfortable, if it makes you uncomfortable to see your favorite pro wrestler 
not being able to do basic spots, being unable to properly lift a guy into the one-winged angel, although I think, I, I do think um, Dragon Lee was a little knocked loopy a little bit. Um, that's okay. And it's okay to be worked. You know, I think that we, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for insider news, just like most of you out there are as well, right? I, I, you know, I think, I, I, I think, you know, we're all fans of wrestling news and so on and so forth, right? And I've been you know, reading these things for years now. And I think that, you know, as much as people like to complain that, oh, because of wrestling media, we don't get surprises anymore. I think that the 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 biggest negative impact that wrestling news has had on wrestling fans is not the fact that nobody wants to get surprised anymore. No one wants to get worked anymore. Everyone has to, oh, well, it has to be, you know, if it's not reported, then, you know, people get anxious, they get nervous, and they don't want to go all in because they don't want to come across as a quote-unquote mark. And it doesn't matter. You're not going to be a mark because you buy into something, because you get worked. That's being a wrestling fan. Stop worrying. Don't worry about how you're going to be perceived. It's okay. It's okay. Your favorite wrestler is saying something... uh, a wrestler you don't like is saying something mean about a wrestler you really like. You know it's a work, but it really pisses you off. That's fine. You should be feeling something. You know what I mean? You should feel something. And I don't say that disparagingly in regards to news sites. They do their job. Uh, a lot of them do it very well. A lot of them don't. <laughs> I'll let I'll let you parse that argument there. Uh, figure that you know you 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 know what you you all have your own sites that fall into those categories. But a lot of them do good good work and and it's you know very interesting and you know adds this extra layer. But it should never keep you from feeling like you can't get fully invested that you can't have that full emotional investment in pro wrestling. You know, don't be afraid to don't be afraid to get worked oh and as far as the finish goes you know with the uh, los ingobernables guys going in the camera shots and being a little confused i say everyone chill the fuck out it's not a big deal uh i used to watch wcw nitro which would always most of the time finish with it's chaos we don't know what's going on we're out of time you know finishing on a, a, a what's the word i'm looking for um, finishing on a, a, um, a, a, a an ending uh, a cliffhanger. I think it's if I'm looking if I'm racking my brain to find the word cliffhanger. I think it's time to wrap up the show, Warren. But you know, again, you know, twin two decades of seeing wrestling produced one specific, very generic, very asepticized way. And you see one ending where everything starts going bananas and you're like, wait, what's going on? And, you know, not everything is pristine and perfect and there's chaos. What do I keep telling you about chaos in wrestling? It's good. It's good. It should feel janky and rough and not, you know, a perfect, pristine thing. 
20 years of the same company doing the same thing for 20 years. Someone tries something different. It's like, ah, they fucked up. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. And maybe Tony covered his ass perfectly by saying, uh, here's a tweet saying that they tune in on Rampage to find out what happened with the, uh, the, the, the see what happened with like, Fox go back now. What the fuck going on? Uh, watch Rampage this Friday. Maybe he's, maybe he's, you know, quick thinking, uh, We'll pass it off as if, it was, you know, it's a cliffhanger. I didn't have a problem with them. Like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? And I'm like, I can't wait to find out what's going on. Everyone's like, boo, sloppy, terrible, blah. What a shit way to end a great show. I'm like, this is fine. This is fine. The number of times I've had Tony Schiavone shout at me. We're out of time. There's, come on, there's chaos everywhere. It's fine. Come on, guys. We're trying new things. We're trying We're trying out things in wrestling broadcasting. We're trying stuff out. We're trying out some new things. Keep an open mind. Not everything has to be especially cookie cutter and perfect and nice preserved and everything in its right place. Wrestling should be a mess. There should be something chaotic about it. Chaos in wrestling will always be uh, greater than the opposite. Status quo, ordinary, uh, 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 safe, <laughs> makes, for a, makes for a terrible world of wrestling. And that, my friends, is how we wrap up the weekly wrestling inspection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta wrap this up because <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow for Ottawa. I am going to the C4 uh, show uh, tomorrow. Uh, and me, from from where I live, it's a bit of a drive, so I'm, I, I'll be on the road pretty much all all day tomorrow. Heading over to the C4 show over in Ottawa. Uh, if you, if you're in Ottawa and you're hearing that, hey, come say hello. It'll, it'll be great. We've got Eddie Kingston versus Stu Grayson in the main event. We got Kevin Koo versus Evil Uno. Uh, just a, a fantastic card from top to bottom. So I, I got to go get some sleep, or else I'm I, I'm not gonna I'm gonna fall asleep at the wheel. <laughs> but look, um, thank you everyone for joining me this evening. I had fun this evening. Hope I have fun tomorrow. Yes, but I already had fun. I always have fun doing the podcast for all of you guys here, and I appreciate everyone jumping in, all the interactions, all the fun, the chit chatting, and so on and so forth. That was so great. Uh, I will be back on Thursday for another edition, but I will be adding some extra content for the members this weekend. Going Broadway, uh, going to finish up the, the Dynamite review, plus maybe an extra tidbit or two. I don't know if I'll be... I'll be recording it at some point this weekend for sure. So become a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel if you want to be able to put that into your eye holes and earballs. Thank you very much once again, everyone, for joining me tonight. Hope you have a great rest of your week, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>